at low protocols, packets, and programs. A coder once said with composure, we might have an unknown exposure, but someone protested, I thought it was tested, and that's why we have full disclosure. Which means, this week, we chat with Ben Sadegipur about collecting bounties and building communities. In the news segment, an API for dependency data, a win for tweaking tractors, a guide for secure design, a pain for web sockets, maybe for USB, a CFP for cloud, and more. Set a bounty, and stay tuned for Application Security Weekly. This is Security Weekly, for security professionals, by security professionals. It's the show to learn the latest tools, techniques, and processes necessary to understand DevOps, application security, and cloud security. Your trusted source for the latest application security news. It's time for Application Security Weekly. Hi, folks. I'm Adrian Sanabria, the host of Enterprise Security Weekly. Every week, we interview the most interesting folks we can find talking about the most pressing cybersecurity issues and challenges facing the enterprise today. Myself and my co-hosts have each been in the industry for decades, long enough to see the patterns in the industry and explore where trends are going. In addition to enterprise challenges, we also follow the vendor space, the most interesting security startups emerging, technology and product trends, all the most interesting funding and acquisition announcements. Finally, we love to discuss the latest trends in tech and how they'll impact cybersecurity. If you're wondering how the latest in AI, quantum computing, cloud, and DevOps is going to impact security a few years down the road, you should follow the Enterprise Security Weekly Podcast. Your organization is building and updating business-critical web applications faster than ever. And with so much pressure to move fast, you may find yourself making trade-offs between innovation and security. Now you can build fast without sacrificing security with Invicti, the zero-noise application security platform that helps your dev, sec, and ops teams work together to secure every website, web app, and API. With unparalleled accuracy, coverage, and automation, Invicti scales like no other AppSec solution. Invicti, AppSec with zero noise. Visit securityweekly.com slash Invicti. This is episode 237, recorded April 17th, 2023. I'm your host, Mike Shima. I'm here with John Kinsella. Hello, John. Hey, Mike. How are you doing? I'm doing quite well. Glad to see that you're doing well as well because you've got a very neutral background there. It looks like you're uh, undercover this week. Um, the, when you come out of your undercover trips, uh, Mr. Kinsella, you can save $100, just like all of our Security Weekly listeners, on their RSA Conference 2023 Full Conference Pass. RSA will take place April 24th through 27th in San Francisco and on demand. To register using our discount code, please visit securityweekly.com slash RSAC2023 and use the code 53UCYBER. We hope to see you there. Plus, besides, it's the weekend right before RSA on April 22nd and 23rd. Come to town early and attend both. Ben is a hacker, content creator, and public speaker. He has helped identify over 1,000 vulns in companies such as Apple, Amazon, Airbnb, Snapchat, Lyft, and the DoD. Prior to pursuing content creation full-time, Ben worked as an education and community executive at Hadrian and HackerOne. Ben also loves creating communities and conferences. He has helped organize conferences like ActivityCon, the Red Team Village at DEF CON, and has also created his own online offensive security conference, NahamCon, to help connect like-minded security professionals and hackers. Hello, Ben. Thank you for joining us. Hi. Thanks for having me. Nice to meet you guys both. It's wonderful to have you here, and uh, we, we've covered the, 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 the boundaries of bug bounties a, a little bit, but we have yet to have 
an expert or someone as illustrious as you uh, to come and talk about bug bounties. Uh, we haven't even gotten you a t-shirt, so we, I, I apologize for that. But uh, hopefully we'll make this, this, this <laughs> time worthwhile for you. I'm um, absolutely happy to be here. <laughs> so one of the things, you know, you are well known in the, the bug bounty community. And I want to come back to talk about the communities in general and some of your work on the Red Team Village and the HamSec. Um, but let's start off with bug bounties. You know, this is something that I think you, you made your name in. You made some good money in as well. What was, what did it, how did, what, what grabbed you? What attracted you to bug bounty in the first place? Uh, it's not so much of a what grabbed me. Um, a while ago, when I was in college, about ten years ago, I was just you know roaming our my college hall, just you know not knowing what I wanted to do. Um, I went to a computer science degree, and computer science really wasn't my thing. Becoming a developer and writing code really wasn't that I enjoyed. Uh, our school had a program that was mostly around um, the Federal Reserve and the government recruiting you know students from our school, but. Uh, I also didn't think that was the route for me, but I met somebody there uh, and I met a few friends through that. And then uh, one of them just said, hey, I've noticed like you know a little about hacking. You always have stuff that looks like hacking on your screen or you're learning about hacking, but why don't you make money from it? And um, you know, back then, bug bunnies were just becoming a thing and I had not heard about it. And I just gave him this like look of like, one, who's going to hire me? And B, like, I don't want to make money doing something illegal. That's not you know what I want to do with hacking. And he just said, why don't you go look at Bug Bounty? Just type in Bug Bounty and see what comes up. So I went home, type in Bug Bounty. I think this was right after Yahoo had just switched over from those T-shirts. Oh. <laughs> and when they had the bad publicity of like, oh, I mm -hmm. found a bug and they offered me a $12 gift card. That was just over. And they were doing actual bounties. Um, I think they were just before they onboarded to HackerOne. And as a kid, I really used Yahoo a lot. I was like, oh my God, I, I know how Yahoo works. I know how their applications work, what applications they have, what sites they have. I wonder if I can find bugs in them. And uh, it took me a while, it took me a couple of months, and then I found my first bug. And then I kept going, you know, there's, we knew what I called the grind or whatever you want to call it, but I, I stuck out, you know, hours and hours and hours. And then eventually I got uh, three $3,000 uh, bounties back to back within the same couple of minutes. Nice. I submitted it, it took him about a couple of weeks. And then uh, same day, I see my phone going $3,000, $3,000, $3,000. And I go, oh my God, like I'm in college. I live in an apartment that's the size of my current office, right? And $9,000 was what could have paid my rent for a year, more than a year probably uh, at the time. And I uh, ended up buying a vehicle with it. It was my first car that I purchased on my own without anybody's help. Nice. And it was a car that I wanted, but it made me go, if I can buy a car with three bounties what else can i do with this thing can i build a career can i build you know something around it maybe you know fund something else maybe you know become something that gives me a job and that is the you know that's the the, the pivoting point for me with bug bounties was that i went okay what else can i do that's amazing and we do want to come come around to what you've done with the money and what else you can do but still on that aspect you're in college you're getting started um, yeah. You did have a CS background, sounds like. And I suppose, yep. what did you do? You read the OWASP top 10 and became a security expert and you could hack all the things? What, <laughs> yeah, what, what, um, what got you started to like how to figure out how to do the, the, the fun hacking? Well, the thing that I say today, you know, I will talk about the past a little bit, but what I say today is there is no shortage of resources nowadays. Mm -hmm. 
there are so many cool online platforms that didn't exist in 2013. Hack the Box was founded in 2017. Try Happy was founded in 2019. And Pinterest Lab was, I'm not sure when, but it was in the same timeline, I want to say 2016, 2017. So these companies weren't around. You, people that are watching this, you have a good, you have resources you can use. Uh, mine was mostly um, through two things. One is I call myself relentless. I really wanted to learn how to hack better and do it professionally. So I took everything that I could. There was the damn vulnerable web app. I went uh, after it. Okay. Metasploitable, I went after it. And there were uh, vuln disclosure programs, not bug bounties, but vuln disclosure programs. That's a see something, say something. You find a bug, they don't pay you for it. But I needed to hack. I needed to get better. So that's, I use a lot of VDPs and I recommend it. I know... Cool. People in the comments are probably going to come after me. The bug bounty hunters who are making money that say you shouldn't give away your your bugs for free. I agree, but if you're trying to learn something and you need a playground, vuln disclosure programs are a good place. So I used every. I remember I was in a QA class that I took in college. It was supposed to be for QAing applications. I was sitting in the class with laptop open taking notes, but I was hacking. <laughs> I pretty much hacked every every hour I could. And I found a way to. And I don't recommend this, but. I started learning calculus on YouTube. So I took the six hours of class and shortened to two hour videos. And I was using the time to skip class to <laughs> do hacking because I really wanted to make it so badly, right? What I did was a little bit too extreme, but I know hackers have done the similar thing. You know, a lot of people that are good at time management, I wasn't good at time management. But if you're good at time management, you're living at home, your responsibilities aren't as much. You have time. I know. And. I want to back up real quick, Ben. You said something that just caught my eye. It's not on topic, sorry. But you had a class in college that was QA? It was literally about QAing applications, yeah. Oh, cool. It was a QA class, and I just said that. I was like, this is just, why am I in this class? And uh, Image Magic had that RCE came out, and I'm in the middle of this class. I found oh. an Image Magic vulnerability in, in a bug bounty program, and I'm just like trying to hold it together in class. <laughs> but it's just the beauty of it, right? I mean, a QA class... Technically, I'm not doing QA Borg, but it's kind of similar, right? <laughs> it is. And you mentioned, so, and that's an important distinction between VDPs and bug bounties. Yeah. And money is like one of the major distinctions yeah. there. And, and compensation. And, you know, you mentioned the from Yahoo, what, in, just in the, on, in the span of a few minutes, getting $9,000. That, I think, translates to a pretty amazing hourly rate. But yeah. um, you can also spend a lot of time and then, you know, report something get the dreaded dupe or you know someone else has reported this or yeah. as well as you weren't you weren't compensated for the time and effort you put in that you were compensated for what the perceived risk of is what was found yeah. so tell us a little bit more how that works and how to one honestly maybe not become frustrated about that or have that be a discouraging aspect in, 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 in these programs uh, yeah I don't want to defend what you you know that bug bounties pay that the bug bounty pay thing for the time but I'm gonna give sure. you an analogy when you first graduate college, you're not going to get a senior job, right? Mm -hmm. You're not going to get a job that's going to pay you, you know, 150, you know, base with whatever else you want, right? It's going to be a $70,000 super junior just to learn and, you know, get get started, whatever, $70,000, right? Bug bounties are the same. You're not going to find those good vulnerabilities right away. You're going to find things that are right. more common. So you're not going to get paid as much. The difference becomes, so if you look at the time that I was hacking, there were more hackers, less programs. Like, you know, there was, the, the ratio of programs to hackers was still very small. Com in comparison today, you have way more programs and way more hackers, sure. right? 
So the ratio is still about the same. The hackers who are finding vulnerabilities that were hard to find were the ones that are getting paid a lot of money. And you know, one of the things that I talk about in my videos is, in, in, in my with my community and videos is that stop looking for things that are good in theory because with bug bounties you're not doing theoretical work. Is this thing you know? Is this certificate? Uh, you know, expired in theory. Can you do something with it? Sure, but can you actually show me right away, right now? You can damage the infrastructure or the users uh, of this company. No, right. So less yeah. theory, more impact is what I say. And you know, I work with a lot of people that I mentor. As I look at the the, the bugs that they find, it's rate limiting and things that are not super exploitable that the companies are either not going to care about. Sure, you can rate limit some random endpoint, but so what, right? It's, this is not to be harsh, but it's just more of the reality of bug bounties is the impact. So sure, you can find a rate limit that could probably cost them a lot of money because you're sending SMS, for example, a lot. That's a different story. So it's just the impact of the things that I see that people aren't getting paid or just going for the low-hanging fruit. They're copy-pasting payloads or they're just relying on tools without understanding how these tools work, right? And uh, of course, as you know, in the beginning, it's going to be hard. That's why you have to make it work. But I just want to get perspective of you get what you put in, just like in any aspect of life, bug bounties is the same thing, but you want to find more impactful things. So instead of going and hacking and finding those, you know, low hanging fruit, the, the rate limit vulnerabilities and the, the best practices, put that time into learning cross-site scripting better even though that's all by itself is also low hanging, but it's to have so many different flavors of it. It's so harder, so much harder to find DOM XSS, for example, mm. that if you could find those, you're finding things that the scanners are missing because everyone uses the same scanners, the newer hackers are missing and so on. So, and th there's also both sides of the equation there. There's also the programs being clearer about what they reward, what's in yeah. scope. So we'll come to that in a second, but since you are talking on the, the, the researcher side, Tell us a bit more about you know, what are some good ways or ways to avoid in terms of approaching companies. Meaning, like you, you probably shouldn't open with, oh, if the same origin policy were broken, then this bug could be used to blah blah blah. That's yeah. kind of what you were saying. So th there's definitely communication and and how do you how do you describe the impact? Or what are good what are good tricks or not tricks? What are just good tools, techniques, communication skills that researchers should have for you know submitting describing vulns? Uh, yeah, of course. On the, research, on the researcher, and I always tell myself, like, even the students, I go, ask yourself, so what? If you can't answer the so what, like, you know, if you can't tell yourself so what in a private conversation within your, you know, your, your inner right. voice or your brain or whatever, there is nothing there. If you're unsure, that's a different story. When you go, well, and, you know, if I could, you know, push the limits a little bit, I could do X, Y, and Z. That's a different story. But if you cannot answer the so what, that goes out of the way, right? Uh, but with uh, with communicating with a bug bounty program, one uh, avoid first of all, like don't go hack on a company without permission. Like if you don't have a bug bounty program, if you don't have a security page, they don't say, "Hey, we want to hear from you." They don't want to hear from you. So avoid that. That's the number one. And then two is, if you're going to submit a vulnerability, don't assume because somebody who works at a company understands everything about that product because a they could be new, that product may not be theirs. It could be an old product, it could be another company, it could be acquisition, whatever that is, right? Don't assume anything. Assume they know less than you. You may there's been times when I've hacked on a bug money program that I knew more about their product, even though it was a single product, because how much time I had spent on it, right? They're like, oh, we didn't know this functionality yes. existed. So assume that you don't know anything because 
you know, like big size companies like Airbnb, they're pushing out code every day, right? Like you can't assume they know everything. So you want to assume they don't know anything. Explain this is what it's supposed to do. This is what it's supposed to not do. This is what I was able to do, and this is the impact of it. This is what I could have accomplished if you guys let me fully exploit it. And if you, there's an exploit that you think you can do, but you are afraid of doing it because you're gonna bring down the entire production system. Trust me, it's not fun doing that to a company. <laughs> Tell them like, hey, by the way, I can either try it or B, could you put this payload in your you know dev environment that I can't find or try this exploit and tell me if it works because I can do Y. No. Yeah, that, that's uh, basically collaboration is what you're, yeah. I think you're touching on there. And I, I love the so what framing because it's, it's just a, a very direct way of saying what's the risk? Like what really would happen here? But you, um, what's, what's really interesting about that also, uh, Mike and Ben, is I mean, that's um, that same collaboration is like it's lacking within the companies too. And I mean, you could probably say in some cases that's why security vulnerability existed. But like yeah. that, what do you just walk through and how to describe that is like, Man, I'd love different teams to like be communicating with each other like that as well. Yeah, and it also like um, with a lot of organizations. At least when I did, I did a I did a short amount of AppSec in my life. That I the one thing that I learned is that security engineers and developers had a hard time communicating. Sure. Because the security engineer is like, well, this thing is not working; it's broken. They're gonna, you know, get our data. Data, and then the other, I was like, well, what, what am I supposed to do? Like, how do I fix it? I needed to communicate with this other service. If I cut the communication, the entire app goes down, right? So, being able to explain the, being able to explain that to a security engineer and like, hey, this is what's happening, and this is what you guys should do, or this is what is happening, or whatever it is, helps them communicate better with developers to be able to fix the issue. So it's just. The so what thing is it's very it's a it's a big it was a big game changer for myself because I kept going, what can I do to this company's infrastructures or users? It's one of the it's one of the other two, right? It's one or the other. It's either the infrastructure or the, the user data, right? What can you do with it? Yeah, and I think that's a good lesson to kind of to to piggyback on what John was saying on the organization side. You know, you probably the first step you take towards AppSec is probably not set up a bug bounty program. I, I suspect that's yeah. you, you're setting yourself up to fail. You're setting yourself up for noise. You're setting up a lot of disappointment for researchers too. So, what are some good, you know, what are some good ways that organizations can also approach either VDP itself or just bug bounties as well? Do a few pen tests first. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> do a few good pen tests where they actually get some findings and give you yeah. a good assessment. Uh, run some tools. I mean, hackers are going to run some tools. Run some scanners. Do some burp uh, scanning and some of the other plugins that people use. And if you're going to run a bug bounty program, start small. You don't have to go big or go home. You just start a small bug bounty program with you know five to ten hackers. Mm. Uh, my job at one of the companies that I work for. What we did was I came over and I had a bug bounty program that it wasn't struggling, but it wasn't something that was huge on there and they wanted to do more with it. And this is a huge streaming platform. And what I did was we just did five researchers, one asset, 10 researchers, 15, 20, and then add another asset, 50, added a huge asset, 100. And then by the time I left in that nine months, and nine, 10 months that I was there, we ended up having everything in asset with over 500 hackers in our bug bounty program. So it's just the the small build up to it. Do small, see what your issues are, because the patterns of mistake can continuously happen in AppSec until you catch on to it. Fix those patterns of mistake and then make room for new ones. Now, one of the aspects of that too is that that sounds like the the, the excellent way to mature 
uh, a bug bounty yeah. program, clearly. And you mentioned, too, you've been around in bug bounties for at least 10 years. You know, you're talking about some of the history of it. And I think you also realized that, you know, you wanted to do something that wasn't illegal. And there's a long yeah. history in vulnerability disclosure that uh, the responses come from the legal department. And it's very much like, this is the CFAA section, blah, blah, blah. I expect to hear from, you know, law enforcement about, yeah. about what's happening here. And even today, Day we've seen some of the you know some of these uh, you know some of that attitude still 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 present. It's still not perfect, and I think uh, I'm thinking of a recent case out of Malta. A couple of students yeah. actually were reporting a vulnerability. They wanted to do this, and they're trying to do this. It seems like in good faith, but perhaps their communication came a bit wrong. And I think it ties back a little bit of how do you? It wasn't so much of the the so what they kind of described. I think the so what, but perhaps they went around it in the wrong way. Do you want to talk a little bit more about that too, about how to engage companies? Yeah, the biggest thing is, you know, and something that I hear a lot from uh, my community is like, hey, I found this bug in this company I never heard back. And I ask him, well, do they have a page up that says we want to hear from you? And if I say no, I go, well, what did you ask? Did you say, hey, I have this bug, I'll give it to you for the bug bounty program? Or did you say, hey, I just have this bug? Or like, what was the conversation like, right? There has been times, you know, there's been times where, I purchase something and I go, well, that's weird. My order ID is an integer. I wonder what happens if I drop it by one, right? And I drop it on one and I see there is something that comes out. I go, oh my God, I just, I, I messed up. Like I should have, and I didn't check to see if that a bug bounty program would have won disclosure. Just curiosity, right? Mm-hmm. Would I get caught? Probably not, but do I want to do the right thing? Absolutely. So what I do is I email them. I go, hey, I just purchased something. Here's my purchase order. I wasn't doing this to hack your websites, but I just wanted to get this one product. And I came across seeing them, you guys are leaking my information to other users by doing this. Could you please fix it so I'm also protected by this? I've never had a company say no to me with that language. And you know, I asked them, like, do you guys happen to have a bug bounty program that's private hosted somewhere else that I could join and find more stuff for you guys? Like, is it a possibility for me to look at this pro- you know, through a bug bounty program or a VDP? Because you know, it could be private. That's about it. There's a few times when I reported things and I didn't want anything and they give me a gift card. And I was like, oh, okay, like that's pretty neat. You have you know, $50 gift card, $500 gift card. I wasn't expecting anything. It makes it nicer. But when you go in, there is a, with legal teams, I'm not saying this is how it's supposed to be, but with legal teams, there is a fine line that is defined extortion versus a bug bounty. An extortion, no matter what you want to call it, is when you demand or request money. Demanding money of saying, "Hey, pay me for my time." That's a, that that could come off to a legal team that's already with their guards up. You know, that's extortion to them because you're just some random person on the internet that's telling them, "Hey, I found something in your products. Pay me." And you know, we see all these extortion cases online with ransomware. Of course, everyone's going to be on you know, on a high alert. So that's a fine line of saying, "Hey, I did this. Pay me," or just reporting something to them yeah. and going, you know, "Hey, I love your products and." I would love help secure it. Is there a bug bounty program you guys do privately that could contribute to? It's just, you can't say, hey, I want to help, but also give me money. Those two don't go together. If you wanted to help, your your factor wasn't money. And I'm not saying people should do work for free, but it's just, nobody's asked you to hack this company, even if it wasn't in good faith. So either you know you don't report it because you're scared, or you report it and say, hey, if they gave me something, they gave me something. Uh, and if they don't, you got to just walk away from it. Yeah. And I think one of the things, it sounds too like you've done a great job with individually mentoring because you're, you're referring to people asking you, giving advice on individual right. reports. And I think that's a wonderful thing that you're giving back to the community. And you're doing that not just on one-on-one mentoring, but 
conferences. So we mentioned uh, Red Team Village, Nahamcon. Um, tell us more about that. You know, tell us what, it, what does it take to to build these types of communities, and um, what what do you focus on in them? Yeah, well, Nahamcon was uh, we we spun up a conference called VersecCon. Uh, it was a virtual security conference, and it was me. Uh, the cyber mentor Heath Adams and John Hammond, uh, I think Stoke was a part of us. A few of us just got together, mm-hmm. but we were, me and Heath were originally running to become, to raise money for a Leukemia Lymphoma Society. Uh, I was asked in my chapter here to become, you know, to participate for the Man of the Year, or something like that, and we're going to raise money. It was some campaign that we're doing. There was an award, but we just want to raise money because we've seen how much money is coming out of bug bounty programs. You know, million dollar hackers are coming out. We can raise some money, right? We got to be able to raise some money. So we did all the every money that we made from the sponsorships from all the companies went directly to the oh, funds cool. for us, and we ended up raising fifty eight thousand dollars. Right? Do you want to know when that happened? That happened through COVID. Oh. So when everybody backed out of donating to LLS, the community backed me into a way that I didn't even expect. I think thirty thousand dollars was from our corporate sponsorships. About twenty seven thousand was from our friends donating you know the hackers donating mm-hmm. 5000 here you know 2000 there 1000 there people that were like hey we can't sponsor but we give you $500 because it's a good cause right and the thing that it, it was a beautiful accident was we had set Nahamcon to happen before the pandemic happened before we all got shut down we said we want to do it this week which happened to be the first weekend that everybody <laughs> was stuck at home i mean <laughs> Right, so we had about three thousand people, twenty five hundred people show up to this virtual security conference, and everyone was stuck at home, and it was entertainment for them. We were just entertaining people, and it was me and uh, a couple of friends just being entertaining. Right, it was just that's all it was. But it made me think there is a there is a need for virtual communities because you know out of those three thousand people, a lot of us are very shy. You know, I I come off very outgoing, but I'm very Shy and I'm a shy person, but I push myself not to be that way. But the people that aren't right, the introverts in the world mm-hmm. that don't want to go to security conferences, or the people that are in these remote cities and countries that don't have any conferences, what yeah. about them? What do we build something that they could contribute to where they could just feel like they are a part of something, just like I feel like I'm a part of DEF CON when I go to DEF CON or when I go to Red Team Village or AppSec or whatever I go to? I feel like I'm a part of this conference. Well, not everyone can go to these things because it costs money. So Nahamcon was. I couldn't come up with a clever name. I'm just like, okay, I have Naham Sek. You know, I have like, I have people making jokes of like Naham Fit, Naham This, like <laughs> Naham Tired. Like, you know, we were making these jokes. I was like, okay, we just make a conference out of my name. So we made Naham Khan, but this was just more of a, hey, make it completely free. We know companies want to contribute and they want to help grow this community. Make something absolutely free for the community where everyone can attend without an excuse from their phone on a streaming platform. And that's what we built Nahamcon. And you know, every year it's a, it's one of the biggest thing that you know it's big it's a big lift because it's a team of now two. It used to be a team of one, just me, but a team of two that organized Nahamcon. And it's just mostly to build something that everyone gets to feel a part of, regardless of where they're from, regardless if they speak English, they can at least mm-hmm. do the CTF or they can be a part of the Discord or they can come and watch talks. Yeah, and clearly one of the things you touched on there too is that bug bounties especially are very global. Um, all you need is mostly a browser and a URL to go visit. You know, some 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 application that does have a, a bounty program, and 
there you go. Yeah. With Nahamcon very virtual, um, that's got to be different than the very in-person IRL, as, as the, the kids say these days, of uh, you know, going to DEF CON. Is there, yeah. is there a different kind of vibe to that, or is there different topics that you approach between these two? How, how does that in, virtual versus in-life kind of um, in-person uh, affect things? Yeah, the Nahamcon is an offline conference. It's live, but we call it offline. It's pre-recorded talks mm -hmm. because the, the conference itself is a very small, of, small part of it. You know, a lot of our to compare the numbers, last year's conference we had about eighty five hundred players for our CTF, but only That's about wild. you know thirteen to fourteen hundred people came to the conference to watch. Right, so it's uh, there is no different approach. We bring a lot of the people that are contributing to the community. There's a lot of content creators in the Homcon. There's a lot of people that are writing blogs. There's a lot of like contributor who is contributing to the community and. Within the last four years, I've never hosted the Homcon where the CFP was open. This is our first open year that we have a CFP. Oh, cool. The speakers have always been invited. So we invite speakers. You don't get a CFP. You get invited. If you say yes, you just have to do your talk. And it's just mostly because we, I just, you know, when I created the Homcon, I was like, okay, what do I do to make this be something that I would personally want to watch. When you go to a B-side San Francisco, I love B-side San Francisco personally, to be honest, but if you go to B-side San Francisco or you go to like um, B-side's PDX, Shellcon, AppSec Village, you know, AppSec Cali, the talks are, with the AppSec, it's a little bit more focused, but with B-sides, you have talks from Red Team to Buck Bounty to everything, right? Like, you know, there's okay. from that code review, everything, but there isn't a single track where it's like, offensive just focused and honestly i like going to these conferences but i won't go to every talk but with nohamcon what do i want to watch as someone who's organizing so i'm going to invite people that i think are good and you know people that you know, they get mentioned in my comments i go oh this is cool i want to watch this live at my own conference hey do you want to come and speak at nohamcon that's neat. And as you mentioned, that is part of what's, I think, creating that wealth of resources that bug bounty researchers have today. With the things that you're interested in, what, you know, give, us, give us some insights, give us some, some tips. What, what does interest Nahamsek in terms of the, these types of offensive security topics, whether it's just the, a really cool type of hack, a type of technique for finding a particular vuln? Is it about the, the communication aspect? What, what are some ways if, if you went and tapped one of, you know, one of us, what would you be asking us to talk about to, to entertain you? Anything offensive security that could help me from an outside, from home, to break into a company, whether it's a new technique, whether it's a new tool, whether it's a new research, uh, something that maybe you can mass exploit everything in the world, right? Like you can find this vulnerability that you can identify. Anything that could help organizations either better than themselves mm -hmm. with attacks or help the security research community. The focus for Nahamcon is purely security focused on the offensive side. How do we break into things? How do we get better? And then it's not bug bounty. I've, I've tried to kind of like pivot gotcha. away just from bug bounty because I know a lot of security engineers who attend Nahamcon now because they want to learn mm -hmm. these techniques. So it's very much offensive security. How do we break into this company? You know, within a few steps or within a few hours or whatever it is, how how have these companies have been hacked in the past? Uh, ben, you mentioned uh, earlier on uh, Metasploit, for example, and I think yeah. Burp is one of the the go to tools. Do you have a list of just the tools that are you know everybody should know, or is there a language that you think everybody should know for scripting? Or I, I'm kind of 
skirting around the topic of how do you get started or what are the skills that you need? And I, I, you know, I'll say up front, I know a tool doesn't make you the bug bounty researcher. So um, that's, that's some of the subtext of my question now that I made it explicit context. Yeah, the uh, I mean, Burps is a great one. If you don't want to spend the money, get the community version or use a Zap proxy or Kaido, C-A-D-O. They're very good. They're, they're pretty much a proxy tool written in Rust. I, I think it's written in Rust. Those are the three proxies. Learn a proxy tool regardless of what one you want to go after. Uh, Tool-wise, uh, it's a hard one. Just like you say, you shouldn't really rely on tools. It's most mostly understanding how these tools work before you go for them. But I use a lot of like recon tools. I don't use any recon frameworks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just mostly use a lot of these recon tools like the subfinders. A mass is a good one. Uh, I use some HTTPX and um, HTTP probe for information gathering and finding a live host. Uh, your end map to find open ports. Uh, I don't use any exploitation tools, if that makes sense. A lot of mine are just um, asset discovery and uh, content discovery. And on the content discovery side, uh, GoBuster, um, Ferox Buster, I think is for the other one. And then uh, the you know the most popular for bug bounty hunters are. FFuff and DIR search in Python. Those are the the majority of tools that I use. Are those? I think I'm one of the um, the the people that does one of the few people that does a lot of their work manually, which doesn't seem to be a uh, very I don't know sufficient way of working, but it's not very the best way. But it's you know what's worked out for me so far with bug bounties, hmm. and that probably also allows you to find some issues that other folks don't find since you're going at it that manually. Um, yeah. I want to pick your brain on the, the f- and, and this is, you've been asked this I'm sure before, so it's, it's, I'm, I'm curious your take on it. You're hosting a conference where, as you said, ideally people are learning how to hack into a company from our chair here at home. Yeah. Or how do you separate that from the black hats? Is there, you know, I'm, I'm sure you think about that or it's, I'm sort of curious from your point of view, how, how do you, discuss that or, or where does that sit with you? I mean, that, that's the hardest thing, right? And no matter the conference, you know, the, the, the research comes out at the end of it. Whether you black hat, the, you know, it comes out, whether it's DEF CON, the, the, the clips come out or the slides come out. We honestly don't have a way to do that with the hackers and, you know, we vet who comes and speaks. So obviously we don't have anybody with a malicious intent coming in, but it's very hard for conferences to be able to get that kind of information from black hats. And I feel like the people that have these malicious intent uh, or the cyber criminals are already ahead of the game with the things that, you know, the research that's coming out that I've probably seen it because a lot of the research that we bring to NahomCon while they're new as form of, in a form of a talk, you know, someone's tweeted about it already. Someone's, you know, it's a CV that came out for it already and that sort of stuff. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. On that aspect, I want to ask too, there's, you know, you mentioned NahamCon. I think we'll, we'll make sure we throw a bunch of these links into the, the show notes. What are some other areas that you're working on or that you would love to work on? And here I'm thinking of, obviously my mind, because of my background, always goes to web application security. But we've talked recently, there's been some fun articles on car hacking. Is there something yeah. that you haven't hacked yet that um, you really want to get into, whether it's a uh, Physical, virtual devices, online APIs, mobile web. What, what's out there? To be honest, uh, I've, I think this is going to be one of the weirdest answers. But I would love to sit on a physical pen test. <laughs> uh, I want to, you know, even if I don't get to do it, I want to be on it. I want to shadow someone. So if you're watching this and you want to invite somebody to be on your team for you know, a couple of days and need a web hacker, 
that, I would love to sit on and just see a physical pentest, honestly. I don't, I because of bug bounties, uh, I've been lucky enough to hack on a lot of products. I'm not very good at like hardware hacking or car hacking and that kind of stuff, but I've had the opportunity to learn from, uh, you know, from others or see a little bit of this. But something like a physical pen test, you know, just to see, uh, I would love to see someone, you know, social engineer someone for their badge or, you know, see if they could use a bad USB or something like that. Those would be really, really cool. I think um, with today's age of like this, you know, the flipper zeros and uh, the bad USBs, those are the things that I want to learn how to use just because it seems very intriguing, to be honest. That sounds fun. So yeah, we'll have to figure out how to pixelate your face so they become less, uh, less, less famous <laughs> and less, less visible to uh, to help you out on those physical pen tests. <laughs> That'd be very fun, honestly. I would love to see. You know, I would love to go to a company and see how they break into the physical aspect of it. So, how, so speaking of breaking in, so, you know, more more people want to break into bug bounty or just this research as you're making that distinction and trying to trying to keep to that of just offensive security, where can they find some more of your videos or tell us what, what's, a, what's some fun videos that you have coming out that they should be looking forward to? Yeah, I'm going to be talking about my biggest goal with, and I have a YouTube channel, I have a Twitch channel, but my biggest goal with the YouTube channel is that I want to mentor people on either finding their first vulnerability with bug bounty or just breaking into web hacking or hacking in general. My focus is web hacking because that's what I'm good at, but the focus is on there and it's going to be a series of videos of going from like zero to a thousand, a thousand to a ten thousand uh, in bug bounties. And then also just, you know, the recent video that I put out just recently was you suck at hacking and here's why. And it's just because I've seen a patterns of mistake of people doing the same thing. So it's a lot of uh, one calling people out on their stuff because I feel like people want to do better, but they sometimes need someone to hold them accountable. But mm-hmm. me just really sharing my thought process, my experience of how I did certain things and how I became better at it. And if you want to you know, learn hands-on, that's why I use my Twitch stream. And then I'm on pretty much on all, all social media uh, platforms as Nahamsek. But those two channels are you know built for mentorships. So if you want to get started, if you want to, uh, if you're looking for a community to be a part of, uh, not me alone, but Twitch has a lot of hackers who are streaming. Um, there are some really really good hackers on there that you could really connect with and find people in their chat to you know become friends with and collaborate together. Yeah, and you're clearly giving a lot back to the community as through the mentorship, through the through the the online conferences, the virtual conferences. So I think people would, you know, I'm basically just saying that so everyone does come to watch your videos and benefit from what you've been doing to give back. You also mentioned so what. So I'm, I, I'm I love that phrase, but it's only two words. Uh, ben, one of the things that we do is we ask all of our guests to describe AppSec in three words. So I'm curious, how would you uh, respond to that? So what's next? Is that technically three words? <laughs> <laughs> and I said that because I feel like AppSec is a never evolving thing. It's like it's always sorry, it's a never ending evolving mm-hmm. thing. So it's always a what's next. So what's next? Maybe it could be or what's next could be the three words. So what's next? That works. I love it. Yeah, because you know with with bug bounties the same thing. It's so what's next? You know you fix this, but you're gonna fix the entire patterns of mistake through your application, or what are you gonna do next to prevent it? So I feel like with AppSec, it's only fair to say, so what's next. I love it. Once again, it's something unique and different that we didn't expect. Thank you so much, Ben. Of course, you got it. Yes, and we do have to let you go because we're helping you out with your own time management. And um, you know, you spent thirty minutes with us, which is uh, you know we're keeping we're we're in the, in the way of that three thousand dollar per minute uh, ping that your phone is getting. <laughs> but we do appreciate your time and your and, and with us. So thank you, Ben. Thank you, John, as well. Thank you all, all the listeners out there. Uh, we're going to take a quick break now and return with news of the week. 